Welcome back to the Inclusive Activism Podcast. I am always as your host, Rowdy, and today we are going to be talking about an interesting topic. It's one of those things that's really got me thinking. Uh, I was online and I saw someone share online. They said, um, if I have white privilege, then someone needs to let my bank account know. And I was like, you don't really understand white privilege. And then I was like, but I can maybe see why you have a hard time understanding white privilege. So let's do a podcast about helping folks understand why they do have white privilege and then also help them understand why it's hard to see if you're poor. Because especially if you're poor or you have other intersections, it's hard to see and notice that stuff because you don't feel like you're getting what every other white person's getting out of like white privilege because you're not having the same experience as them. Um, the second part of the podcast is I'm going to look at how... Um, these intersections of oppression that people don't really examine, especially white people, because white people aren't used to thinking about being oppressed. Um, they do kind of see classism to a degree, but still, there's not like a huge conversation about this in day-to-day -day society, and so it causes problems when people are trying to see intersectionally privilege and how privilege works. And we're going to talk about how racism and how racist practices is actually killing white people and why white people need to be on board with abolishing racism and stopping racism just as any much as anybody else. Because studies show that anti-racist policies help white, poor white people the most uh, out of anybody. So okay, let's start unpacking white privilege. All right, so white privilege is only about race. It's not about sexual orientation. It's not about social class. It's not about economic class. It's not about ability. It's not about anything other than things that deal with race only. We're, when we're talking about white privilege, we're only talking about race specifically. So I'm gonna give you examples of race-based white privilege examples, all right? So um, white people are usually not targeted by police because they're white, right? They might see that you're in an old car and pull over the old car, but they're never like, mm, white guy, I don't know. What's that white guy doing in this neighborhood, right? Like, white people don't even get pulled over in neighborhoods that aren't their own, right? Because you would think, well, what's this white guy doing in this, like, you know, Latino neighborhood, right? But still, they don't get pulled over because, like, white is just kind of seen as normal, right? Another thing is, no one ever looks at a group of white people and be like, what are those white people up to, right? Like, no one's ever like, why do all the white people sitting together at the cafeteria? Or how come there's so many white people at Luby's Cafeteria? I don't think Luby's even exists anymore, but it's an example, right? No one sees whiteness as different. They just are like, whoa. But when they see, like, other people, they're like, oh, look at all those black kids sitting together. What's going on? Whiteness is not seen in the same way as, like, blackness is. So no one's like, what are those group of white people up to? No, people don't do that stuff, right? But when they, if it's black people, if it's Latino people, if it's native people, they're like, whoa, that's weird that all those people are together and there's no white people in there. What's up, right? That's an example of white privilege is no one sees you in a group based on your race and is like, mm, what's up? I'm, I'm not, like, I'm concerned. What's the problem? What's the issue, right? Um, when you're in school and if you're a white person, school focuses on your history, right? It talks about... Um, the Founding Fathers, it talks about like the um, uh, colonization from Europe, like it talks about all the white people, but it doesn't talk about like black history a lot, like I mean outside of like Black History Month, and again, that's usually a poster that they roll out every year, 
blow the dust off of and then tell you about George Washington Carver and then we pack that stuff up and that's it for black history, right? Not the same for white history, right? We learn more about Abraham Lincoln. We learn about like um, Alexander Hamilton. We learn about Benjamin Franklin. We learn about all these people, but we don't like learn about the same folks, right? Philosophers, we always learn about Greek people, but we never hear about like philosophers from Eastern like areas like Lao, Lao Tzu and Taoism like those are philosophers too But we don't hear from those folks because again like white privilege kind of makes it so we just focus on white people and undervalue non-white people and non-white ways of thinking and seeing things um, Books movies TV shows Overwhelmingly have white people right so if you think about all the Avengers like who are the non white Avengers. You got Black Panther, and everybody Black Panther knows. That's it. Let's see. That's about it. Thor's white, Captain America's white, Iron Man's white, Black Widow's white. Like, you see how, like, like mostly white people, right? Like, you're overwhelmingly represented on movie, TV shows, books, everything, right? Like, even if there is somebody, like, they're noted, their, their difference makes them stand out. So like in the horror movie, right? If there's a black guy, well, you know that dude's dead first because there's usually not a black guy even in horror movies. Watch a lot of old horror movies. Like one of the very, very few that has that has a lead black actor is Night of the Living Dead, and that was revolutionary. You should check it out. It was cool. Uh, but even in there, messing with like race stuff with that stuff. Um, Another thing that you can do is, is you see like most CEOs, most people that run companies and most people that are in government, mostly white people, right? So again, like you're like, well, how does that benefit me specifically? Well, usually they're thinking from a white standpoint and not from like a Latino standpoint or from a Mexican standpoint or a Native American standpoint. They're thinking white first, right? <clears throat> um, white people overall, like just like when you look at race, right? Just race stuff. White people get better interest rates and they get better credit scores than people from other races, right? Like, we don't know what it is, it's just the background. Like, it's just white people, no matter what, always higher. If like there's two people at the same socioeconomic level, white guy gets gets more better interest rate, better credit score than brown guy does. That's just the deal. You didn't do it, it's just the truth. Like, I'm not blaming you. You don't have to feel guilty for it. Like, because you didn't choose it. It's just something that came with a deal, but you still get it, right? Um, white people can carry guns, like, basically anywhere without any issue. I saw somebody walking into a subway with a rocket launcher, and I'm just like, how is that even practical? You're about to get a sub sandwich, and you have, like... <laughs> like a rocket launcher on your back and who are you gonna shoot with that and like even if you were in a hand-to-hand -hand fight this seems incredibly it's not gonna help I don't know it's just it's strange I don't know what's going on there you can carry tons of cash and no one's gonna be like what's up with all that cash like if you're a black guy and you got like ten thousand dollars cash in your pocket people are gonna be like what's up but if you're a white guy with ten thousand dollars cash pocket you're like that's a lot of money but you're not like white guy with a lot of cash something's off, right? Like, we're not gonna have race-based suspicion just because they have a whole bunch of cash in their pocket. Um, let's see, Band-Aids are your color, right? All Band-Aids are uh, flesh tone for white people. Like, if there's not like black people Band-Aids, and if there are, they're way more expensive. And uh, hair care products, basically built for everybody that's not black. Like, if you try to find black people hair care products, like, sometimes it's under lock and key, lock and key, just to get your shampoo. 
and then it's only like there's only like a section like this big like in the store depending on where you live right uh, but again it's an example of white privilege right hair care products are made for you um, you can talk to the manager and the manager's probably gonna be white if you're white makes sense right like just because like white people overrepresented in positions of power did you choose that no but is it a benefit you get yes um, no one asks you to speak for your race. No one's like, well, what's the white perspective on this? Nobody really asks that question of you as an individual, right? So for me, like people will be like, well, what do Native Americans think? And I'm like, man, there's 500 nations. I don't know. And I only have my experience to speak on. Like the same thing doesn't happen for white people, right? Um, usually people don't stereotype all white men because even though mass shooters tend to be white guys, right? There's not that association of like, uh-oh, like one lone white guy with a gun, they're probably gonna shoot the place up, right? Whereas some people will see a black guy in a store and they're like, uh-oh, he might be a criminal, right? There's not the same association with that stuff. Like people see white people armed all over the place and even though most of the people that have done mass shootings have been white men with guns, like people aren't like, oh dude, that's it. Like, it's on, right? They don't make those those same assumptions. And I'm going to tell you this one. This one's going to stink. This one's going to suck. Especially if you think you're a good person, right? You can claim a white privilege thing you get is you can claim to be colorblind and then have no responsibility whatsoever for racism. Yeah, right? Like, we don't want to claim to be colorblind, right? Like, it's funny because people will be like, I don't see color. I treat everybody the same. And I go, how do you know? And then they go, well, I got a black friend. And I'm like, how do you know he's black? Right? Like, you do, obviously. Otherwise, you wouldn't be aware of that thing. Uh, and just because you claim to think race doesn't do anything for you, you still have white privilege because of this list of things. And I know you didn't choose it, but you get this unfairly, and other people don't get this. And life is harder for them because you just get these things, right? Um, but I'm going to show you how whiteness, like whiteness, the practice of keeping white people on top of the social hierarchy, is problematic, especially for white people, okay? So um, if you're a white person, you're probably going to have a hard time seeing your race-based privilege if, uh, because it, cause it assumes things about you, right? When people think of a white person, they assume certain things about the white person. And if you're not that thing, they're assuming you're not enough. You're not white enough to really count or really consider it. Like there's some flaw with you or there's some mistake or you're doing something wrong, right? So white people assume, so if you're white and you're not this thing, you're not considered in whiteness, right? Um, uh, so if you, like it assumes, if you're a white person, like basically whiteness assumes you only work one job. If you work more than one job or several jobs, people go, well, what's wrong with you? Or you're not doing it right, kind of, right? This is an assumption. Um, uh, I think, like, average whiteness assumes that you're middle class, right? Like, I heard an amazing statistic the other day. FEMA, like Federal Emergency Management Association, I'm not sure what the thing stands for, right? But it only takes into account people that are middle class when they're trying to, like, help out with problems. Like, what? Like, what if you're, what if you're like, like below middle class, like, and there's a hurricane coming? Are you not, like, equipped to deal with me and my needs? Like, whoa, that's terrible. And like, there's white people that aren't middle class, right? Like, and they're just like, well, you're not in a plan, buddy. 
You see how, like, this assumption of what white people are supposed to be like doesn't take into account, like, parts of people who actually exist in the world, right? There's white people with more than one job. There's white people that are not middle class, right? It also assumes that you've been in the United States for several years and you're American, right? Um, it, uh, they assume that you ethnically identify with only your Americanness. And if you celebrate your ethnic identities, they think you're weird, right? So if you're uh, Irish and you're eating corned beef and soda bread, people are like, what's up? That's weird, right? Or if you're Italian and you're eating like nothing but pasta and stuff all the time, right? Um, or if you're like uh, Czechoslovakian, right? And then you're eating your, your culture's foods. People are like, that food stinks. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, where's your hot dog? Where's your apple pie? Where's your hamburger, right? Like, they treat you as though you're not white because you're not doing what are generally thought of as white things, right? Um, they assume, if you're a white person, they assume you own your own home. Like, people assume all white people have their own homes. If you don't own your own home, if you rent your home, if you have a trailer, you're not considered, like, in this whole thing, right? They're not seeing you. Um, unless you have that thing. It assumes you don't have a criminal history, right? Because like people with a criminal history have to deal with other stuff. Also, it doesn't assume your veteran status, right? Because we don't exactly treat veterans great when they're done with their service. Like we're like, oh, sit down in the seat, but like we don't help them with their healthcare issues with the VA, or we don't like make sure that they get their benefits forever, or we don't hire them at a higher rate after their service, right? They struggle just like uh, more than actually other people. Uh, it assumes that you're either male or female and not transgender or genderqueer or intersex, right? Like, if you're white, they only, you know, when you think a white person, you think a white guy or white lady, you don't tend to think of, like, trans white person. You don't think of intersex white person. You don't usually think of genderqueer white person, right? And this is how they don't see you. And because they don't see you, you're getting left out of what is the assumed white experience. Um, they assume you're educated, right? Like everybody assumes white people have gone to college and have a good and steady job, right? Um, they don't really see white people that work in meat factories. They don't, people don't really see white folks that drive trucks. They don't really see them in their experience and what's going on with them, right? Because they don't consider them because they're not doing what white people are supposed to do, right? So this is why it's hard to see your privilege because people are kind of punishing you for not being the way they expect you to be. Uh, they assume you had a quality education in the K through 12 setting, right? It doesn't really account for uh, rural school districts and how some of those are closed or underfunded, right? It doesn't see how there's uh, systemic inequities in education uh, through the K through 12 system if you're in different spaces, right? Like if you're out in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, people aren't really considered or worried about you and your issues, right? This is where it's hard to really see that, your white privilege, your racial privilege, because people aren't considering you with other parts of your oppressed identities. Uh, it assumes you have a really good paying job and that you only need the one job. Like everybody assumes white people have that thing and that's not necessarily true. White people have really crappy jobs and really have low paying jobs. Um, they, uh, they, they assume stuff about you that isn't you. And then it's funny because they never, like, they always kind of leave you out of the conversation if you have any of these things and you're a white person, right? And this is because whiteness, like the practice of being like white, it doesn't usually look at intersectionality. Intersectionality is like other parts of you that might be white at the same time, right? So we really don't see poor white people 
and we don't really reach out to them with their issues and their problems, right? Um, and when they, when poor white people have problems, we're like, well, that's their fault. They should work harder. They should get another job. They should pull themselves up by their bootstraps, right? We don't see them in the same way. If you're a white person and you live in a rural area, you're not seen, you're not reached out to, you're not included. And I would even say the Republican Party doesn't uh, include rural right folks. They go out there and they play God bless America and they play I'm proud to be an American. But like, how are they helping you with your internet problems? How are they helping you um, with like food bank stuff? Like they're not helping you with stuff. Um, people don't see that white people uh, need guns uh, to hunt for food because that's part of being poor, right? That's not seen, that's not considered, right? You see how like you're not really seen if you're not the things they expect you to be? Um, you're not really seen as a white person if you're an immigrant, right? If you practice your ethnic heritage from another country outside of the United States, you're not really accepted as a white person. You're not embraced within greater white society, right? Uh, if you don't speak English or you speak another language, again, you're like, what? What's this other language? What's going on here? Uh, and again, um, you're not seen if you're gay really in the same way if you're a white person, right? And this is how you can tell that systematically, like people that are outside the box of expectation are punished for not being white right, all right? So this is how they show you in society, you're not doing white right if they call you any of these names because there's no stereotype or slur for um, like, you know, third generation American who is upper middle class, who like there's no there's no slur for a male upper class man who makes good money and only has one job. What's the slur, right? Like it's funny, we have a slur for women that do that, right? We call her Karen. It's funny, and I think it's more socially acceptable to call her Karen because she's a woman, right? And it's because that woman identity, we can beat on her. That's not cool. Like not the same thing for a man in the same situation. Um, but again, if you are white and not rich, not urban, not American, we call you these things in society to show you you're practicing your whiteness wrong. So we will call you redneck. Redneck comes from somebody that works outside all day long and so their neck gets sunburnt because they can't have a hat, right? But their neck gets burnt because they're doing hard labor, right? Redneck assumes you're not white enough or you're doing things wrong. You don't have a job in a cubicle somewhere. You don't have a job as a manager somewhere, right? Like it shows you you're doing white wrong by calling you redneck and assuming you're not being white because if you were doing white right, there would be no name to call you. What else, what other names do they have for people that do white wrong? Uh, white trash, right? Uh, if you're poor, if you're running around without a shirt, if you got cars broken down in your front yard, you're not seen as doing whiteness right, again. And so again, it's hard to see your white privilege when like people are making fun of you for being a white trash all the time, right? White people and non-white people are calling you white trash. So how do you see your white racial privilege when you're got, you know, there's a refrigerator in your front yard because like you can't afford to buy another one. They'll call you hillbilly if you live in the middle of nowhere. They'll call you trailer trash. Again, because they're punishing you because you're not more successful socioeconomically, right? Because 
there's an expectation that if you're white, you meet these standards. If you're not meeting these standards, you suck. Let's call you names, right? Um, they'll call you a hick. They'll call you a hick, a backwoods hick. They'll call you backwoods. Again, it's because you're rural, right? Because you're not in an urban space. You're not meeting whiteness standards in a white way, so we're going to punish you. We're going to call you names. We're going to treat you badly because you're not performing your whiteness right. This is how racism works. It even works against white people because it assumes all these other standards that don't include all white people. They'll call you good old boy. They'll call you honky. Did you know honky comes from a word for that meant like Hungarian laborer, right? Again, you see the immigrant intersection, right? White, but immigrant. So honky, let's push them down, let's oppress them, right? Um, they'll call you Euro trash. They'll call you country bumpkin. They call you all types of names. If you're not a rich, well-educated, one-job-having, middle-class to upper-middle-class person that is white. Like all these people that don't have those things that are white people, they're being oppressed, but not because they're white. It's because they're white and poor. They're being oppressed because they're white and an immigrant. They're being oppressed because they're white and woman. Right? They're being oppressed because they're white and gay. Right? Because it's not meeting the standards of whiteness that we see represented in society. Right? And so because of this, white people suffer because of racism. Because really, truly, we people don't do a great job at reaching out to like intersectionally oppressed white people to join in the fight for equity. Um, and the only people that do reach out to intersectionally oppressed white people are Republicans, but the Republicans aren't really doing anything to help them, right? Like some people out there, like I go out here and I live in Arizona, I see Trump people all over the place. And like, I don't want to get in the conversation, but I am curious to be like, what, what, which Trump policies has made your life better? What Trump policy made it so you got a raise? What Trump policy made it easier for you to buy a home? What Trump policy made it easier for you to buy your new car, right? And I'm not talking about your second home. I'm talking about your first home. I'm not talking about your second car. I'm talking about your first car, right? I'm talking about like folks that are just getting by. What has Trump done to really help them? Not much. They make it makes them feel better because they're just not black people, not like liberals. That's that's all he does is to make you feel better. And it's hard because the number one area of growth of suicide is in older white men. And I think it's because economically, it's getting harder and harder for everybody out there. The middle class is getting shrunk and shrunk and shrunk. And there's all these pressure and all these forces that are making it harder just to live a middle class lifestyle. And like white people uh, that, are, that are intersectionally oppressed get crap from liberals, right, about their white privilege. And they're like, I don't really even feel like I, white privilege. I have white privilege because I'm poor. Now you do get white privilege, right? Again, race-based privilege only, but you're also dealing with socioeconomic oppression because you're poor or because you're not middle class, right? And no one's reaching out to you and be like, hey, we got you. Hey, we're going to articulate for things that can help you too. You know, this, you know, Obamacare helps you and this other family that happens to be a family of color, right? But they're not seen, they're not embraced, and they're really not like loved by anybody on both sides. Like Republicans like come and slap them on the back and say like, yeah, you're a real American and they feel good for that. And then liberals come in, you're too stupid to know the Republicans are taking advantage of you. And then like intersectionally oppressed white people just get left out. 
So because of that, people are like, well, like I'm working my butt off. I'm working two jobs and I can't make ends meet. So like white men are committing suicide or they're getting addicted to opiates or they'll have issues with alcoholism and the rates are going through the roof, right? And the reason is because they don't understand that other parts of them are oppressed. They don't see that other parts of them are held by society, held down by society. And then they think, well, then the mistake is me. The mess up is me, right? So I might as well just kill myself so my kids can get my life insurance. I might as well just kill myself uh, because I'm not helping anybody. I might as well just kill myself because nobody uh, cares about me or really reaches out to me, right? And this is how systemic racism still hurts white people too because it assumes that you got all the other thing that you see in white society, right? Like, white society does not see you unless you're middle class or above, unless you're heterosexual, unless you're working only one job, uh, unless you live in an urban space or at least the suburbs, right? Like, it assumes all these things that some white people just aren't. And like, people in diversity areas need to reach out to these poor, oppressed white people. And poor, oppressed white people need to reach out to minorities because we understand what this feels like, right? We can be like, dude, it's not your fault. The system's built against you because you're poor. The system's built against you because you're gay. The system's built against you because you're, uh, that assumes that you only need one job and you can pay your rent. Like, if minimum wage can't pay for an apartment where you live, the system's broken. Because no one should need to be on food stamps or welfare if they're working a full-time job. But we have a story that says if you're working a full-time job and you don't have a house and you're not making your ends meet, then there's something wrong with you. And you should suffer more so you'll want to improve so you can have those things. That's ridiculous. Anybody that works a full-time job should be able to pay their bills and be happy. I mean, just have a shot at happiness, right? But the schism keeps us apart. And again, I'm not saying white privilege doesn't exist. It does. I told you examples of these other things, right? And so you have to understand you get this stuff. But we're not saying you're the root of all evil either. We're, we need to see, uh, talk to white people about their experiences being oppressed or what it's like to live in rural spaces and like how like black folks and white folks can get together, or uh, Latino folks and native folks can get together with poor white people to really come together to advocate for change together and not just for white people. Because like what happens is sometimes people throw poor white people a bone every now and again. And because they get that bone every now and again, that's enough to keep us apart, keep us fighting each other, keep us thinking that we're not on the same team with the same issues with the same worries. Right? We need to see and recognize this stuff because white people are dying and they're dying because of racism. Uh, because racism assumes they have all they need. And if you don't have all you need, then we just punish. Right? Conservatives and liberals punish white people. Like, society punishes white people that have oppressed identities. And we need to be able to reach out and reach beyond this stuff. So today, what did we talk about? Today we talked about uh, white privilege uh, and that right racial privilege exists no matter what other oppressed identities you have. It does, but it doesn't mean you're rich too. White privilege does not mean you're rich. White privilege does not mean that you're heterosexual. White privilege does not mean that you're menti mentally, uh, that you have no mental health issues. White privilege does not mean that you don't have any um, physical ability issues. White privilege does not, uh, 
mean you don't have learning disabilities. You have all these things, but it's just not worse because you're not another race. That's the difference, right? And so we need to get better at articulating this idea because we're leaving white people out because we don't understand intersectionally they're not feeling the privilege in the same way. Like, your privilege is invisible to you until somebody shows you what you're missing, right? Like, I didn't understand male privilege until women told me about it. And then when women told me, like, yeah, you're right, I don't have to worry about walking in dark parking lots. Or, yeah, you're right, I can give my phone number to whoever. And the worst thing I gotta do is worry about blocking that number. Like, it's only in conversations with people that are different than us that we see other things. But, intersectionally, we're missing parts of them and the parts of their experience because we're not having conversations with them either, right? And this is a way to help us come back together. Um, we talked about in the podcast that intersexual forms of oppression make it very hard to see and understand white privilege because you're so busy seeing your barriers from being poor, from being rural, from being, uh, like having to work several jobs. You, you can't slow down enough to see your white racial privilege. Uh, and then uh, we talked about how if you're not doing whiteness right, we're going to punish you with like country bumpkin, with hick, with white trash, with trailer trash, with euro trash. We're going to like make fun of folks who intersectionally have issues that are not associated with traditional forms of whiteness as they are represented. So with that, that's all I've got for you today. So if you thought this podcast was interesting or helpful, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, whatever. Drop a line and be like, wow, that was interesting. I like listened to uh, Rowdy, the inclusive activist, talk a little bit more about why it's harder for poor white people to see their white privilege. And I really came away with a better understanding of the difficulty and how hard that is. I also learned how I could better reach out and... Uh, um, create uh, alliances with white people and people of color or uh, you know other p uh, people from oppressed identities to advocate for one another to help uh, create situations of equity for all people right um, we were able to see those stuff right so let me know and then if you heard something that really made a difference you can drop me a comment if you're seeing this posted on Facebook or if you're seeing this on YouTube drop me a comment tell me your thoughts tell me your opinions you can email me at inclusiveactivism at cox.net. That's I-N-C-L-U-S-I-V-E-A-C-T-I-V-I-S-M at cox.net. Uh, and share the podcast. Let people know you're learning. Use this learning in another space. Have a conversation with somebody different than you. And hopefully we can come to a better understanding together. Because the truth of the matter is, it is ridiculously hard out there and unless we're here for one another co-advocating for one another talking to people that are different than us we're gonna feel isolated alone and then we're gonna be like at risk of like suicide or becoming alcoholic or dependent on drugs because we're not gonna feel like anybody's got our back together we're better but alone it's tough and some people out there are feeling pretty alone and it's not because they chose to and some people lied to some folks. Um, but nobody's being compassionate and reaching out. Like if I'm a rural, poor, white person, and everybody calls, keeps calling me a dumbass because I'm not embracing liberal policies, I'm not going to like feel incredibly welcomed by you either. Like if I'm uh, always yelled at, always like put down, no one's going to ever create a space of new understanding. And that's what we need, an opportunity. Like something new, something different and understand things and systems in more holistic ways. So with that, that's all I got for you today. I hope this really uh, resonated. You can learn more about me at inclusive activism at 
at www.inclusiveactivism.com or you can email me at inclusiveactivism at cox.net. And this has been Rowdy the Inclusive Activism Activist, uh, and I appreciate your time, time, thought, and opinions. And I hope you have a great day. Take care. Thank you.